3: to the guy that runs the podcast part and he's, he asked me like do you mind coming into the studio to record them and i was like i love anything that gets me out of the house yeah. yes and he's yeah. like well why don't you just come hang out
1: here And I was yes. like, yes yeah.
3: all right get stuff, stuff done
1: I, I, well so in the pandemic we all had to start to so we were doing podcasts and we had to do our podcasts <laughs> and randy and i would look at each other and be like yeah this is why we got into comedy to be average engineers. right? <laughs> yes. I don't know how to upload my right, thing right, right. to the thing. Why not am that guy? I recording I my sound? I'd rather I can't. go to a place where they are pros.
3: Yeah. My former assistant is a, is a producer on this. Yeah. And like, she had a whole thing to, she told me once, like your voice is much ho- stronger than the guests. And I was like, I don't know what you want me to do about what? it. I can't mean, handle it. i yeah. them to fire it up. I plugged in the microphone into a little amp thingy. And mm.
1: I, there's, you do- did it right.
3: Two knobs on it, and I go okay. Yeah, I three so. questions, the I three questions,
1: it's... and the two knobs. Yeah, that could be the side podcast By the way, <laughs> after the three questions, or, or the description of this podcast: the three questions and, and the, the two, two knobs. knobs. Oh
3: yeah, there we go. Oh yeah. boy. Well, oh. I'm talking to the Sklar brothers, uh, in case you guys didn't know, which everyone knows. You, you know, I mean, you, yeah. you you tune into a pod. It's not like you stumble upon a podcast, right? Right. You were no, you were know tuning gonna... across
1: your podcast dial, and yeah, you just yeah, wound exactly.
3: up here. Yeah, I woke up and I heard the (laughs) scars. I figured it was,
1: it's like when you smell toast and you're like, oh, I'm having a stroke. Yeah, Yeah, yeah.
3: Now, uh, you guys are originally from St. Louis, correct? Yeah, St. So Louis, Missouri. St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, what was the family
1: business? Dad's family. So dad originally worked at a company called Tension Envelope. Ooh. And it wasn't even like Dave Tension, like the Tension right, family. It right, right. It was literally just- I'm like, why would you put tension in the name of your workplace? We were, I work for a high blood pressure paper. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like what? just a guy. No, but it was the, the office. so it wasn't,
3: it was, I felt like maybe no. a tension envelope was some sort of like physics thing for engineering no, or, you it know, was like just like, I oh, will come in and measure your printing yeah, presses tension no, envelope. No, no, no. He was he like, was like just an envelope. Oh, he worked wow. at St.
1: Louis's version of tension. Dunder Mifflin. Tension and envelope he was, for no reason. And so, what was the reason? There was no reason? So there was a pressure sensitive envelope that I think was their tension envelope that like, I don't know how You it didn't worked. have to lick it. You peeled, peeled off a thing. Off thing and oh, in, right. And then of I, course. no, no. But no. he... So wow. we so he did that for a long time and then he bought the family business which was his uncle his mom's brother's business and that was his father-in-law's business which sold alteration supplies. Oh. They originally Velcro. sold anxiety sewing machines. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they originally sold nuns habits. So it was like these no shit. in the oh 40s or the 30s. 1930s they sold nuns habits. So it was these Jews who were I just like it. cranking out the nuns habits. I love it. And, so then th- it and then they moved to like oh we'll do needles and thread and so they go to all the tailoring departments. So he bought that business and went like a million dollars in debt right before we went to college. Oh. So in a weird sort of balls out way, it was like, he kind of said, bet on yourself. He showed us like, hey, this is this is how you do it. You If you really believe that you can do something, bet on yourself, which he did. And, and then there were like five, so there are five of those companies and they all sold, sold the same crap. And so he would tell us, these guys, we all have the same stuff. So the only way to get people to become your longtime customers is to build relationships with right. them and be funny and, and he tell was a, jokes. he and- was a funny guy, not a guy who would like craft material. He just right. was a jolly, funny, d- he was like a wonderful guy. Like we would go with him on errands on like a Saturday. He took us so that our mom like wouldn't have to like, Deal know, with us. Deal with us on that. We had two twins. And so, like, yeah, he yeah. took us and he'd like go pick up his dry cleaning and we'd just be sitting in a car that was running, you know, like, yeah, sure. Come grab these kids. Yeah.
3: I remember my grandma, I was I was like the tag along with my grandmother and, like, you know, she'd go somewhere and then I would like lay in the across the back all window the well of yes. the Oldsmobile 98. <laughs> that's right. That's and I we, had 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 we had an Oldsmobile, Oldsmobile 98. 98. Yeah, yeah.
1: And uh, he would just go in and within like 30 seconds, we're just in the car. We can't obviously hear what they're saying. The person he was talking to would always start laughing. Yeah. So as a kid, you see that you're like, this guy is not doing anything in the world. That We have nobody in the entertainment industry in our family at all. Yeah. But you're watching that and you're like, well, that's valuable. That's important. Yeah to be able to do that. Like, look at how happy the person is. He's talking to. Yeah. And he was, he's, he walked in and they had this like an expressionless face. He says two things and the person starts cracking up and Randy and I are in the car just thinking that's, Ooh, that's really cool. That's uh, important yeah. to do. Yeah. That. yeah. So he yep. was that. I had a, my grandfather,
3: which my, who I, who died when I was fairly young. I mean, I knew him, but I only knew him as a very old man. But my mom says that I remind her of, her of, 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 him. of him. And he was like, you know, he his father they they had a bunch of farmland that they that had been given you know that they got yeah. deeded to them after it had been, uh, Black Hawk Indian land. Wow, so it was like early on you know col- colonial yeah. you know stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but his father just basically sold land for a living. Mm. He would just sell off you know yeah. like part of the farm. And so my grandfather he worked on like he worked on the farm but he didn't have any real pressure right, right until he got to be an adult and then it was like well I like hanging out and I like talking to people so he's like I guess I could do real estate and insurance, Yeah, but most of the time that I ever went to my grandpa's office uh-huh. and I'm making air quotes, yeah. he was playing cards and drinking whiskey in the middle of the day, which, yes. and it was just, that's what insurance are doing here what... in this office. <laughs> yeah. He just oh liked God. hanging out with people. Right. And that's, and I, and I do feel like it's, I, in the same way, I just, when, no matter where I'm working, it's. I want to have fun. I like 100%. the product. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. TV show. All right. Podcast. Okay. Yeah.
1: But the hang is, so we always say this about doing comedy, half of going up at the comedy store, which we try and do every week or going out, you know, you're at a festival or something. Half of it is the set of comedy that you really care about how it comes out. But the other half is just hanging out with the other oh, comics. Absolutely. The hang beforehand. I'll never forget when the last time we did Conan, when you were like literally right before the whole world shut down, we yeah. were the last, Stand up on that show. Oh, I didn't even realize yeah, that we were wow. the last ones. Last Before. ones to do stand up on the on your show, and we were like March that, like eighth. Yeah, yeah. Because I think
3: the thirteenth
1: was yeah. the day that I stopped leaving the house. Yeah. So we, but we're on backstage, and, Jay and I are going over a set and whatnot, and then you came back and. We forgot that we had to do a set <laughs> because we just—it was like shame on you for taking us out of the game face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like we yeah. just we started, started hanging around. We started, started out right, right, so right. comfortable, and I was right, like, right. "Oh
3: man, we're just so calm. This is us just hanging out with Andy." No, whenever I have friends, whenever I would have friends on, I would like to go back and just you know the fuck best. with them a little bit. It was, it was so good, you know. Mm-hmm. like he will get to do most of the talking right? and I want to get a little bit in you know cool. so Man, yeah. it was
1: cool. it was so nice but again it's like, whenever we do a hardwick show uh the at, at, at Midnight. midnight. We, we used to There'd do be that. like yeah, a yeah. moment on At Midnight when we're just riffing with Chris and there's someone else usually with like a friend of ours on the thing and I forgot we were doing a TV show. Yeah. It just felt like we were yes. just hanging out. I'm like, oh wait, this is when it's at its best. Yes, exactly. You guys get the product exactly. of us just enjoying each
3: other. And I think uptight people don't, you know, like they're uptight people in television that get nervous when that happens. I mean, you know, like TV professionals mm, yes. that don't understand, like, no, no, no. I mean, maybe if you're doing Grey's Anatomy, that's not the way to do it. Which I, we did. I don't know. Which we did. Oh, did you really? We did, you? did an episode of Grey's Anatomy, and it wow. was
1: crazy. I mean, it, was, it was nuts. Like, we went on. All right, let's go on this tangent. All All right, guys. Guys. We, yeah. It was the week after Isaiah Washington did said those homophobic things. And he was like to leave this show all for a week. Right. And we're like, all right, what are we walking into?
3: <laughs> they, let's go into this. Let's yay. go into this dysfunctional household. <laughs> yeah. Let's oh walk in God. here. I'm sure yeah. everyone will be happy where this
1: starts. And so we come in at, or we read for the part and it was originally for, I think like it was it's for s- twins, but like 60 year old twins and because we, they had cast the girlfriend. So they were, I, they were Siamese twins Oh, who wow. were in a oh, love I triangle. I read about
3: this. I read about this. Yeah, love yeah. triangle.
1: And then they wanted to be separated because one of them wanted to, no, because not the one who was in the relationship with her. The other one wanted to be with her. And then in the end, spoiler alert, they chose to be friends, and they gave up the woman, and they wanted to have a relationship with each other as brothers who were separated. So, oh, we, so they did get they did go through with the separation. They go through the separation, and so where were you guys attached at, at the kind of lumbar? Would have been better if it was like at the face. Oh, God, <laughs> disaster. We've always wanted to do identical twins that are connected at, at the, the finger, finger in the easiest way possible. And they're <laughs> like, look, you could have this thing separated, and they're like, wait, but I'll lose my identity. <laughs> I'll lose who I know. like it's but, just a layer of skin and they're like I, I, I we one of us could die one yeah, of us yeah. could die you so know we
3: used to do a bit of <laughs> conjoined twins on the show and it was just like a 6 foot tall guy and a five foot four guy <laughs> wearing the same big pair of underwear. Yes, <laughs> and they would usually have like, like Tom of Finland vests and yeah, leather daddy God. hats on. And it's like, like, are you sure you could join twins? Yes, yes. Yep. Yep. we are. Born yes, we born are. This
1: way. yes, we are. So we so we get on the set, and I remember it was like the the director was awesome. He had just done a really impactful episode of The Wire, the one from the Education season where. Someone slit someone's throat in the gaze. He was intense, young director. And he, he was amazing. And he would like, Randy and I are connected and we hate touching each other. And so we're literally touching <laughs> each <What> other. we <laughs> just
3: did right there Bob. So uncomfortable. to no end. So <laughs> they touch
1: fingers, <laughs> right. they index the, fingers. It's and Randy are touching each other the whole time. And he would like come in and whisper like, a little piece of direction in my ear that was on the opposite side of Randy, and then he whispered something to Randy, and then we'd put it in the scene, and it was really fun. and It was cool. But we had this massive scene with all the actors, everybody, McDreamy, wow, uh, <laughs> who else, Catherine Heigl, every, every single of, character Pom, in the show. It was Ellen Pompeo? Was Mike Pompeo on the show? <laughs> 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 I think he was. I he her he, brother. He was in the scene. Yeah, yeah. He was McLeigh. Um, So, <laughs> so then we are all sitting around, and Randy are in the bed, and they're all like examining us, and they have some to say, and you know, it's, they shoot the master, which uh, for those who don't know, is they shoot kind of far away, get the whole scene, and then they go in and start getting individual coverage, meaning they get this guy single, then these this woman single. Then this and this and this, and then we're of, of course, course we're last because we're right, the right. guest stars and we're right. going to be there till three in the morning. But who S- cares? So then, yeah, that was the sentiment on the set. It was just in- intense and crazy. So we do this whole thing talking about our dad. The show comes out. Are you guys connected? Like during when they shut down to change the cameras? So, camera, so that
3: you unconnect or yeah, you're no. stuck so, together? No, so because they you pull
1: a, it up. They built a prosthetic that is almost like a really tight pair of like leggings leggings that yeah. only go to the kneecap and they and it's like a three-legged thing like we slide it up and, oh, and so and it's under your wardrobe so you can't take it off you can't take it off you can't like oh I'm my touching God. my brother for like 49 minutes Getting and clammy it's so <sighs> awful. Yeah. awful it's so, awful. so like, clammy terrible and so we get on the show and like 29 million people watched this episode it was at the heyday and the height of the show our dad, calls us. We were like, Dad, did you watch the episode? And he said, I watched it. He's like, I have an idea for you to tell Shonda Rhimes. We're like, sure. <laughs> all right. no We'll problem. call her now up. That,
3: now that we're best friends. Yeah, I mean, that that's, how, never the, that's
1: how this works. We're on the show. I don't think she even came by the set once. I think you guys should go back on next week. We're like, they already we shot, shot that. next week's episode. But he's <laughs> okay. like, I think you should go back on the show and try to get reconnected. Like, reconjoined. <laughs> like, you want to get sewn back up together. And we're like, Dad, Dad that's, that's the, the dumbest, dumbest and we're like, no, that is the most Grey's Anatomy thing ever. <laughs> dad, you should write for Grey's Anatomy. Uh, like, <laughs> is our dad like a Grey's Anatomy right, savant? Right. I mean, that is actually the most Grey's Anatomy storyline ever. The two brothers who were disconnected want to be connected again. And- but the crazy thing about Grey's Anatomy is that all of my daughter, like now she's 17, but when she was 14, all of their friends watched all of Grey's oh, Anatomy of yeah, yeah. on Netflix when it was like-, like three years ago. Yeah, yeah. So they watched Everything. So all of her friends like then saw me in a new light because I was on their favorite show. Wow. Like i watching that thing and I was like, oh my God, God bless this post, the resurgence of Grey's Anatomy in that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. That was crazy. Oh, that's
3: hilarious.
2: Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack,
0: of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at the coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today.
1: Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at TMobile.com. We had you come do a thing on our set for our new show for the Nosebleeds this this, which is a reboot of our Cheapside show, and we couldn't wait till you came in because we knew we would just goof around and have yeah, fun. And it absolutely. came through. That's, it was that's, hilarious. Oh, good. Thanks. Oh yeah. my god, it came out so. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and that show—that's on like some
3: UFC channel, right?
1: It's on. uh, So all the episodes are on Fight Pass, but the first your your episode is on Fight Pass, which is a streaming service for UFC. Kind of like their, it's like. Netflix for fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's the only way I can describe it. But yeah, well, you Or ups- if you
3: want to kick back and yeah. see men pummeling. Well, women too. And women, women too. Yeah, yeah, women all too. Right. I don't mean to be. And you know, women
1: too. So you can watch it on that. But episode. the first episode, if you want a taste of what it is, is available on uh, UFC's YouTube page. Anybody can watch it for free. Oh, so if you just look up the Nosebleed Sklar Brothers on YouTube, you can find it or go to our Instagram, which is at Sklar Brothers. We have the link in our thing. But it is so fun. It's just us, Mystery Science Theater 3000, yeah. and like Talking all the over- footage. Flitch- Footage. Yeah. Over and the it, jokes that You popping guys had a show kitchen. before the cheap seats It was yes. like
3: the same sort of thing,
1: like basically commenting on sports clips. That was it. It was on old, all weird, old sporting events for ESPN. And that was the thing for us. That's the thing that the most people to this day are like, please bring that back. Can yeah. You please bring that back. Or that's the way I connected with you guys on TV is when I watched that show. Yeah. And for us, what was interesting at the time, you know, obviously. Conan, your show was a huge show. I mean, that, that late night show, when we went in to talk to them and pitch, what we said was going to be the show for ESPN, cause they had a loose idea. And then we came in and filled it in. And we said, look, th- th- we want people to say our favorite show is, is not cheap seats. And then also sports center. We want people to say our favorite shows are cheap seats, Conan the Daily Rock, the Daily Show. In other words, we need to create the kind of comedy that is standing right next to the thing. So we called up John Glazer, who's such a oh, great yeah, writer yeah. and so talented and be like, will you help us write this? Former Conan thing?
3: writer. And
1: he's done his own stuff. located uh, yeah. Such a it's classic so funny. show. Hilarious. Yeah. Everything he's done. John Glazer loves gear. I love that yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so funny. And he was like, yeah, yeah. He was in New York. And, and talk
3: so- about a guy who just follows his own. <laughs> yep. Like the shit he does is so, so John Glazer and so wonderfully does He does not care. Like, no. it's like, I'm going to do this thing and you come with me or don't. And I just
1: love it so much. People come. People yeah, come. Yeah. And, he, and he added that. He sort of grounded a lot of the things we were doing on our show. And you could tell his influence on, on our show. It was great. And yeah. people saw him. In our show, and they're like, "Hey, it's the guy who did the bits on comedy. Oh, it's yeah, that yeah, guy!" Yeah. And all of a sudden, our shows were being sort of spoken about in the same breath, and we were like, "That's exactly yeah. our dream. What we were trying to
3: do." Yeah. Did you guys set out to be like to like incorporate sports into your comedy? And I mean, you know, because it's not. Well, I guess
1: there's some people that kind of do that. But I mean, in our, it is a,
3: it is. I mean, it's a natural hybrid.
1: You yeah, know, totally. But I don't think anyone's done it because. For, and this is what we were saying. I don't think people have looked at it and said, I need this to be as funny as the... Funniest comedies. Yeah. I think in the past people have been like, "Let's just do a funny sports show," right? And it's right, like, right. well, that's then a, that's, that's a very crucial point. Yeah. Totally, because then all the sports people are like, "It's not sportsy enough," and all the comedy yeah. people are like, "It's, it's not, not funny, funny enough." enough. Funny. And you're like, yeah, "Well, wait yeah. a minute, it's got to fit that." And so we like putting our lens on that. I'd say if you came to see us do stand up, an hour of stand up wouldn't have a lot of sports in it. It right. just doesn't because right. that's that's not what we're talking about so much. But some of it does. But right. like. I don't know. We grew up in St. Louis. We were huge sports fans, Cardinals fans. We went to the University of Michigan, huge sports fans. There's always something so funny about how serious people are, are about their sp- yeah, sports. They take is it like, so seriously. Sports is literally the lowest stakes thing in your life. I mean, I was talking to you. My wife is just going through breast cancer. You know, we've been through that for the last year and a half. That's a real thing. Yeah, that's real life. Yeah, lose yeah. if Alabama loses, like the the Crimson Tide fans like lose their brains and they, know, they and, and they're and like, like, wait, that's the lowest stakes thing in your life, but it's managed to trick you into thinking it is the yes, highest stakes yes, thing in your life. That to us is hilarious. hilarious. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> that's so funny, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. You, you just took you trick someone there in their Yings, brains. Right, fans right. who are like ready to jump off the Verrazano Bridge right now because they're having a bad September I and know. they're finally good again. And like we lived through the time in New York when they were unbeatable, and so. Yeah now, like those people are like, we can't do anything. This was supposed to be our year. And they're having like, they're ruining my fall. And you're like, well, <laughs> no yeah, one's no ruining one's your fall. My, like, just
3: younger, relax. my younger brother, when the Cubs finally won the world series, 2016, it, He had had such a complicated love-hate relationship with that team since, like, infancy, basically, that he told me, I said, aren't you happy? And he said, like, yes, I'm happy because he said, I feel like I've been in a bad marriage and now I can get a divorce. Yes. (laughs) He's like, now I can just move on with my life. Closure. Yeah. Closure. They gave him closure. did it.
1: And now I can quit. But but in the same, by the same token, we have a reverence for it and appreciation for it. Because we act like that. And for that same... Cubs victory, our buddy Dan Van Kirk who wrote on our, he was, he's our co-host of Dumb People yeah. Town, which you've done. Right, and right. He, he's from Rochelle, Illinois. Big, yeah. big Chicago Cubs fan. And he went to a world, we helped him like get to a world series game and just a wonderful, wonderful guy. And they win the world series and he's at a bar and he sees a guy with, with a with, bottle of champagne and two flutes, two flutes. And Dan's like, comes over to him comes, to him, what's up, buddy? And he is like, there's a tear in his eye and he's like, I just, I love Lost my, I, I'm my gonna dad. get this on my, my dad, dad. and then all we wanted to do was see the Cubs win. That's the only thing we wanted to do. And but he, he died I before did, it could happen. And Dan like was like, "In like, the bar? No. No.
3: <laughs> wow,
1: that is a bummer." Here's <laughs> your champagne, Dad. De- oh my he god! He died during, <laughs> hitting, and he's like, "Do I watch the end of the game, or do I?" <laughs> this is more. Do important, I resuscitate? Death, I mean, the Cubs are on the verge. Death happens all the time. This only happens every hundred years. <laughs> and so, no, but he was like, "I just need someone to toast to," and Dan. Dan started to break down oh in tears gosh. and he's like I'll do I'll it. it. I'll, <laughs> I'll toast your dad with you. And, and he toasted this guy and here's this moment with the stranger in like to the and they were just so happy cuz this thing and I'm like, "Well, it it tricked you in the right way right yes. there. You know, yes, there's yes, like yes. you there's- tricked you guys into having a real connective moment." Yeah. It is connected. It's beautiful. From you do go into the stands, and it's like, oh wait, this is the diversity relationships that we're all trying to create everywhere. That's the my favorite thing about Dodgers games. Yes, is it
3: just feels like one big LA family barbecue, and there's like multi generational families of all different kinds, and you know, it's. The, probably the only time I feel comfortable around people with face tattoos.
1: Yes, uh, <laughs> like there's you know, a teardrop. He may have killed a guy in prison, yeah, but, you know, but, you but know, he just like, high Go Dodgers. Yeah. Go Dodgers. Go, go Doyers. Go yeah, Doyers. Yes. No, I mean, I just but that is that is truthfully it that you turn to someone and high five someone you've never met yeah. before. Yeah. Give someone a. I mean, like we've done it at games. So that aspect of it gives us the love that we have for it and the reverence because what we've learned just through doing comedy and like roast battle. comedy comedy and stuff with Jeff Ross is like, you gotta, there's gotta be love in it. Yeah. If there's no love in it, if you're not, cause when the best roaster, when you roast or when you're roasting people that you love, yes. you're with your friends. And so you're if, giving, if we were like snobs who are like, yeah, sports, yeah, those meathead losers. It's like, you can only go so far in your like understanding of what they're going through and critique. But if right. you're like, hey, we actually love it too. Right. We make those weird, you know, mistakes at giving it more weight than it deserves. And then it also works. Yeah, connects people. Yeah. yeah. So that that's I think what sort of got us in that direction and then, you know, we were lucky enough to do that show on ESPN, Cheap Seats, for 77 episodes. Yeah, I mean, when do you get a chance to do a half hour scripted comedy for 77 episodes that has sketches in it and all these, jo- I mean, it was just joke, 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 yep. joke, yep. which is just so much fun and so we were like, man, I we want to do it again and people tweeted us, you know, I'm sure you have the projects where people are like, please do this, please do this again, yeah. please do Your this. Your Christmas special, I'm like, why? I want you to do one every year. Oh, forever. the UCB thing? That was the funniest, <laughs> most insane thing. I'm like, that needs to happen every year. <laughs> for every just, holiday. I would be tweeting at you if I didn't know you this <laughs> every that. holiday. I went into,
3: I went into uh, do Jesse Thorne's podcast. Yeah. I love yeah, Bullseye. And, and Bullseye. I don't know if it was Bullseye. Well, maybe it was. Because he does different ones. George Desigo, Yeah. Jessica, yeah, yeah. But it was, <laughs> he was, I was promoting this. I got hired to do this UCB Christmas special and host it. And it was basically a collection of a bunch of different Christmas bits that UCB had done over so the years funny. and it's UCB. So yeah, there's a lot of like, just like gross, crazy. offensive, crazy shit. Yes. In it. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesse, and the Lord, <laughs> we, you know, chit chat, chit chat. We was like, okay, well let's talk about this Christmas special. He goes like, I found it grotesque. <laughs> uh, like, what you, do you want from yeah, me, buddy? Yes, it is. They hired me to do it, you know, in the best possible <laughs> yeah, way. It's grotesque. He was like, so he like this. He was like, I think his thing was like it wasn't Christmassy. I'm like, <laughs> the, yes, that's what the the I, I don't want to tell you. I you love know? the opposite Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I love Jesse
1: Thorne. Yeah, so um, funny.
3: You guys, you mentioned uh, that you go, you guys went to college together and it's, I mean, and it touches upon something I'm sure you've been asked a million times is why not separate from each other? Well, well, I mean, but I mean, but how just, I'm interested in how that starts. I mean, my younger brother and sister are twins, so I understand a twin dynamic. Yeah. Um, I think it's even more so when you're identical, yep. like you guys are, because yep. they're not, I mean, because one of them is male and one of them that's is right. female. If they were, that'd be remarkably incredible scientific breakthrough. Honestly, I bet you that's happened. I bet uh-huh. you there's been a Maybe. trans member of it. You know, it is, it is really interesting too. It's such a, there's such a high, for the high propensity and in my own life, I've, I've seen it, uh, if one identical twin is gay, the uh, it's very likely that the other one is gay too. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's just kind of it. I genetic. mean, it's sort of genetic. Yeah, exactly. It's You're yourself, splitting. nature versus nurture, and it certainly certainly points towards nature. But um, uh, I I know you guys uh, you know supposedly aren't gay, but that wasn't why I was bringing it up. No, it's just um,
1: why did we why did we go to college together? Or what what started yeah, that? What together? started? I mean, that, yeah. and
3: and was it a difficult like? Because, you know, when you're young, you're, two, you're one of the main things is striving to find your own identity.
1: Yes. So, our parents, to their credit, were very specific with us about the way we sort of handled this relationship. They're like, First of all, that we were lucky enough. We lived in St. Louis and we had a, a a house that was built in 1977. It wasn't a big house, but we had enough rooms where I could have a room and Jason could have a room. Yeah. That was huge. It just means you can shut the door and masturbate on your own. No, <laughs> it just
3: means that you could. In each other's rooms. What? Yes. <laughs> we would do it, it in out, each out of my room. room. Yeah, 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 yeah. It in what are, are you doing in there? This nothing. is weirdly hostile, <laughs> boys.
2: <laughs> it's an, I that's take an that. act of aggression,
1: though. <laughs> no. So, no, but it. You know, like we could have be separate on in our own and sort of develop who we were as people on our own and not have to be in each other's space. That was huge. Then they were like, look, you guys should rely on each other, but not be dependent on each other. And that's such a like sliver of I I, I can't believe they knew this. Yeah. You know, how do they understand I this? Know. I don't even know. I don't even know how they. So got. So they're it. like. Real it's life. called good parenting. It, it is, but they weren't reading anti- parenting books. Yeah, I know. They but you kinda just kinda
3: anticipate, and if you're naturally empathetic, and it sounds like
1: it they was were good instincts, yeah. and, they, and you know, and again, our dad was kind of this old school guy from St. Louis, a businessman, a jolly guy who just you know he wasn't that like all. He, they kind of were a little before the hippie. They yeah. were like early sixties, like Beatles 64. like the Beatles before like the early Beatles albums. Right, That's right. who they were. Yeah, before yeah. The, they were like Beatles before Sergeant Pepper. Right. So they just weren't into the feelings and this and that, but they were very into, I mean, we actually, the the truth, and we'll get to it when we talk about our questions, but like the... They were very much like, you guys just rely on each other, but don't be dependent on each other. And I think that informed how we sort of looked at it moving forwards. And then when we sort of looked at schools, we said, okay, where do where do you want to apply? Well, our parents were also like, you can each apply to three schools because we can't afford to... I remember, our dad's a million dollars in debt. He's like, we're not applying to 50 schools. Yeah. And each it. application costs money, yeah. so pick three. Right, And preferably both pick the same three so that you can take three trips together. So we're not flying to different places around the country. That's not what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. So he kind of helped us narrow it. Thinking about it, we're like, all right, let's shoot for the moon on one of them. Let's go for an Ivy league school. And we had some friends who had gone to Penn and we're like, let's, we're from St. Louis. We knew a couple of people who went to Penn. We're like, let's, let's apply there. Yeah. Then, Our cousin went to Michigan the year before and we had a a family friend whose uh, daughter went there and loved it. She loved it. Like would raved about it, talked about so much. And again, it's a great school, great Great school. And it was like, I don't know, there was like a weird flight from St. Louis to Detroit on Northwest Airlines. that was like $39 round trip. So you're like, oh, well, it's only 40 bucks to fly round trip. Like we can come back and forth. It was like even that math kind of entered into it. And we're like, for people who are watching their money, we're are like, well, it's kind of close. It's in the Midwest. We have family in Detroit. Like, all right, let's Michigan's. And that's a really good school. Then we're like, all right, if we can't get into Michigan or Penn, let's apply to Wisconsin because that's also another great state school. And yeah. we should probably be able to get in with based on what we've done yeah, because we were good students and whatnot. And so we applied to those three. And then we said, you, if we get into all three make your decision on your own and I'll make my decision on my own and we'll live with it. Whatever it's going to be. We each talked to our parents separately and we talked to friends separately. Yeah. And we both got into all three. Luckily, that was amazing. And then we both, you know, ended up coming back to Michigan for so different reasons. We, we went to Penn to visit it and, we saw our friends there and people there and we're like, these kids are not having fun. Ah, yeah. They look like stressed out. They yep. look like they work at offices already. Yeah, and they just yeah. They were stressed about exams and they they were all cool. Like the kids were really cool and smart and dynamic, but they looked like they had aged. Yeah. We're like, Mike Michigan, man, you were a kid last year. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Bro. And like, he just had aged and we're like, God, what what is this? And then we went to Michigan and people are like, yeah, this is great. Yeah. I We love, learning. We love, there was like a different attitude there. And then there was all the sports and stuff, which we love too. And we're like, I, for me, I said, that's where I want to go. I'm actually having fun. And you know, it's like that feeling mm-hmm. of just, you feel like you're at home. And
3: it's such a college feeling. It's like- So totally, yeah. I went to U of I for two years, and it was kind of the same thing. University of Illinois, same thing. Yeah, Yeah. same thing. It's very. This is like you get there, and you're like, okay, this is college. This this is
1: first time we got drunk, both of us, fifteen years old. I have my youngest daughter is fifteen. I can't imagine this at a college party at at U of I. I. So wow, at an apartment complex with our family friend, who she was so cute, and she had like her friends were there. We were fifteen with all these like college kids cuz they were like 19 okay yeah. so they're like a little bit older than us it was a statutory situation it was, <laughs> for honor. all of it is like me too yeah, to the yeah. max right but we go to this thing and we're playing quarters and we're drinking and I'll never forget cuz I like as I'm drinking beer and I'd never really drank that no, much no, beer we every time I went to the bathroom I'd look at myself in the mirror and it would start to like well, yeah, start to go yeah, a little yeah. bit like this best thing is there yeah. was a guy named duke, duke. It was, it was his nickname was Duke. Sure. friends of friends and, and, and friends of a camp counselor, or whatever. So Jay, so drunk, couldn't stay at the like place. 40 minutes in, I'm like laying on someone's waterbed in the room, just like <laughs> trying Which to, the worst place to, worse to worse not, place to go. I don't, I don't to, think I'll go lay on the ocean, throw up over the side <laughs> yeah. on the floor. And this, dude, Duke comes into the room. And I just remember even at 15, I was like, I'm going to do jokes. Even if I'm like, even if, like lose it. The room is like spinning. And around. they kept calling him Duca, Like that was like his name in the, in the, but I'd in be the, like Duka. I'm like, he Duca, Duke comes in and I'm like, Duca, you're standing in my Puka. <laughs> so he came right by the bed. He laughed and he's like, seriously? And I'm like, yes. And he's like, freaked out and left. And then I passed out. I missed the whole night. And that was my whole night in champagne. But great kids at great that kids. school. And I think, you know, we were public school kids. And yeah. I think there was that little, you know, Michigan's a public school. I U of I is a public school. Yeah. There just was a little bit of a vibe of like, this is public school. You got to advocate for yourself. Yeah. You got to like, there's a scrappy. There's and there's a, everybody. Everybody's, everybody's there. everybody. It's not just one kind of person. Exactly. And so we felt. I don't know, we just felt more at home. I sort of felt more at home in the public school aspect of it. Randy felt more at home with the sports and the the spirit of the place. And so we kind of came to it from different reasons, but then we're like, okay, I think this will be, and then there was a little element of like, if we go to the same place, our parents don't have to go to two places yeah, to visit. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. I think mean, of that. was it just logistics or was there also a comfort in knowing that you'll be going into this together? We definitely appreciated that. And we lived yeah. together our freshman, freshman year uh-huh. in the dorm because it just made like, it took out the element of like, what if we get a bad roommate? Yes. Which people did. People yeah. got roommates that were like, oh my God, I hate this woman. <laughs> oh my God, I All hate right. this our guy. Our room be, kind of became the room where our friends who had a horrible roommate would just come and be. Yeah. Yeah. And so it became a very communal place. Yeah. We were like, let's have our room be the place where everybody hangs out. We, that's who we are. We're community builders Yeah, yeah. with the show cheap seats, with the nosebleeds. We're like, let's gather all of our friends and do a show. Let's bring everybody in. That's kind of the way we've always been. So we were that way in college and it just made for a really great freshman year. Then as we move forward, we kind of had different roommates and we were, you know, as we sort of established ourselves. And the best part about being at a huge school like that is that, there, I would have all my classes and Jay would have all of his and there'd be all these people who didn't know that we were twins, didn't even know that you had a twin. So they'd oh walk gosh, on campus yeah. and see Jay. He didn't have glasses at the time. But say hi th- to me and I'd be like, who the fuck is this person? And they'd come back to me like, <laughs> what's <laughs> Why are you up? an asshole <laughs> every what's other up? day? <laughs> Why are you being such a dick? And I was like, um, um no, you, I you saw What brother. are you talking about? You probably saw my brother. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy.
0: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only
3: one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy
0: gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Can't you tell
3: my love's a crow? Were you doing comedy like as kids? Like were you doing it throughout totally. your whole life? Were yes. you a
1: comedy duo, you know? Yes. Yeah, so our our we, we had cable in our in our house before a lot of other people. I don't know why we got cable so early. Like we we were on the second wave of early adapters. There was that one that was like the AB switch and had all the channels and stuff.
3: Called On TV in Chicago. Yeah. So
1: then we, then there was the next wave of it and we had it and we just got really into like Rodney Dangerfield's young comedian special. There was the one with Seinfeld and Rita Rudner and Bob Saget and, you know, and Robert Townsend who came out for the first two minutes. Robert Townsend came out for the first two minutes of his set and spoke in a British accent, and then was like, I'm from the south side of Chicago. <laughs> we were like, Oh That's my so God. funny. It was like he, an ulti bit. It was yeah, an yeah. ulti bit. And then Kinison and I mean there were all these people on it. It was that transformed us because we're like, oh my God, this is what is this? We had seen Carson and we'd seen some older stand-up stuff, but didn't really understand it. <clears throat> this really changed us. And so then we kind of learned everybody's act. And, you know, our parents' friends would be playing bridge in the basement and they'd be like, what's going on with you guys? And then we'd launch into a Seinfeld bit. Uh, what's the deal with the shower radio? I mean, who wants yeah, to yeah. dance on a slick surface next to a glass door? I mean, Crap, just huge laughs. And we're yeah, like, yeah. oh, yeah, of course it's huge laughs. It's like a great comedy premise <laughs> right, right, from right, right, a we're of th- ripping off from yeah, someone right. really good. And 100%. none of these people have seen it. So, yeah, like, yeah. here we, I mean, we're... So spouting off all these. I, mean, I just remember an old Richard Belzer bit that we used to do all the time that our older cousin, who's now about 70, who lives in Chicago, great dude. We used to do this bit and it would destroy him. And it was a Richard Belzer bit. We're like, no, I kid God because I think God has a good sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just over and over Finding different ways to have a heart attack you And fall to the heart, floor yeah. But, it's like, but it, imagine that as like 14 year old kids At a bar mitzvah and like you know The older relatives is like I don't want to be at this bar yeah, yeah. mitzvah and you're like ah eh, it's fine You're with a bunch of people and you're with other like regular People who are insurance salesmen and they're just hanging out And we're like you know what we kid God Because God has a good sense Yeah and he <laughs> loved it. And we're like, this is, we're doing bits. We're it around. Yes. It was so fun. It was so fun. And then in a crazy twist, we, we decided to do a talent show in high school at 15. And it we were 14, 14 at the time. That's- And we did this fall follies at our high school and they're like, what do you want to do? And we're like, I I want to do stand up. -up. We're so into stand up. We want to do stand up. And it wasn't even a question of like, should I go on stage and then you go on stage or, and we didn't even say, should we do it together? That was even a question. We're we're going to go up. Yeah. Yeah. And we weren't even like, you be dumb and I'll try to rein you back in. Why don't you be a character? Right, like right. the Smothers Brothers did so beautifully. We weren't, we weren't even thinking of that. We're just like, we like comedy and li- we're twins and we'll kind of like bounce off each other. The way we tell stories, the way we just are funny around e- each other. And so we wrote some material, specific for the show about our school, which ironically did the best. And then we did some other material of other comedians because that's what you do when you're starting out. But we wrote a whole bit about, I'll never forget this, about our math club, how the math club had no, like it was so poorly attended. And we're like, they need like better, better marketing. marketing. That was our thing. Maybe better so yeah. like they need to get the guy who does like truck and tractor pull commercials, like the guy, like there's a guy. So they just <laughs> right, need to get right, the right. announcer guy. And so then we did like a, a act out of truck yeah, and tractor awesome, pull, awesome. truck and pro tractor Solid pull. Solid stuff. It's truck, a great bit. It's a yeah, premise yeah. bit, act out. It's sort of what we still do a little bit today, hopefully better, but like that, that was the beginning of us and we got good response and we walked off stage and we're like, that was something that felt kind of interesting. And then our friend in Kansas City who was doing comedy sports at the time, he was, was 15, in, 15 in improv, he like, wow. walks into the club and he's like, wait a minute. He's like, there's a, it was a, like a flyer on the wall that said for it the Disney Channel, which is brand new Disney Channel is doing a young, young comedian special. So we were like huge fans of the Roddy Dangerfield Young Comedian special. Young, young comedian under sixteen. If you have a stand up tape of you doing stand-up, send it in to this production company in Los Angeles, Rubin and Core, that was the name of the company, and they were on Beverly Boulevard. It's
0: crazy. It's like yeah, right over yeah. here.
1: Send it in, and they'll, and whatever, they'll make a decision that was like kind of your audition So he, he said, do you guys have a tape of you doing stand-up? We're like, actually, we, we do. do. We I'm just did it. Yeah, yeah. 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 So we send it in. And thinking like you're basically throwing something into a black hole, sure. and, like you're never gonna. We got the guy who taped our bar mitzvah to make a to copy. make a copy of the videotape. Like this is like the <laughs> biggest. He had like two giant towers yeah, of the, like of equipment. Yeah, to yeah. To yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he dubs it, and he said it was like the hardest process ever. And he like you like decoding the Rosetta Stone was easier than making a copy of the Rosetta one. Stone or the. Oh, was that the yeah, Rosetta? Don't stone don't know, Whatever. Dead Sea like, Scrolls. Dead Sea Scrolls. Dead-C Scrolls. So, anyway, then Take he the Rosetta Stone. stone Works, yeah. So then he, so we send it off, and we think we're never gonna get a call. Then we're like in our house, like a month later, or no, two months later, right? I don't and know. There's what, a phone call, and it's like yeah, there isn't like caller ID yet, so we just, yeah. an, you know, you just Hello. answer the phone. Hello. Hello, and and they're like, yeah, there's a Randy and Jason here. Our mom's like, it's for you. We answer, and it's this woman who's like, Hey, so we're Ruben and core. I don't know if you know who we are. We watched her tape and we really like it. And we were like what? freaking out. We were like, Oh my God, this is insane. They're like, we've seen hundreds and hundreds of tapes. This is like definitely in the top 10 of the tapes. Oh, wow. Listen, so here's the deal. You can't steal material from other people. <laughs> and you also should go up to your local comedy club next Tuesday, re-record the tape and you should work on this, 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 and this all things that took us like 12 years to figure out on stage. Uh-huh. But we said, okay, what do we do? They're like, call the funny bone in St. Louis and tell them you're going up. You need to make a tape next Tuesday. We call the funny bone. They're like, how old are you? We said 15. They're like, you goodbye. Goodbye. No. You can't yeah, come. Yeah. So we call them back and we're like, they said we can't do it. They're like, hang on a second. They call them. And then the funny bone calls us and is like, you're on Tuesday. Oh, wow. So we got to now write all this new stuff that replaces the stuff that we stole. Sure. And we go up in a regular night of comedy. In St. Louis in 1985. With paying customers. Well, paying customers. Two drink minimum. Adults who don't want to hear, hear about these our two rap. kids say. And we did a whole conceptual ending, like very alty bit at the end that we thought was hilarious that met with like the most lukewarm uh, reaction ever. It was a bit about how at the time all these comedians were doing like big rap song parody yeah, finishes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Barry Sobel had the best one of them, but like a bunch of people were doing that. And we're like, look, we're really into rapping and we're going to close tonight on a big rapping thing. It's mm-hmm. our big rap finish. We've yeah. do it. we been working on this big rap finish for a while. Do you guys like rapping? You like rapping? I mean, we were going on and on and on like rapping. this. And we're like, let's rap. <laughs> we're going to rap this out for you guys. So then we reached down and picked up a bunch of boxes. And, and we some just rap- start wrapping <laughs> presents. <laughs> so it's a very non-punchline thing, <laughs> <laughs> but it was funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We sent off the tape. And we never heard anything ever again. But that moment of them calling us saying, we looked at you in comparison to other yeah. people was a moment that we were like, all right, maybe there is something there.
3: That's all it takes. Maybe really there is sometimes there. That just that little validation of like, you know, because you know you're funny or whatever, but it's like- To hear it. Yeah, it's like uh, with an improv group that I was with, one, there were, some New Year's Eve, somebody in the group was like, hey, let's give out awards. And they went to the dollar store and bought a bunch of duck candles and called them the duckies. <laughs> so, yeah, and yes. I won a couple of duckies. And it really, that was like a turning point for me that, cause at that point I was just doing improv cause I liked it and I thought it was fun yeah. and I, but I didn't really, you know, I didn't, I mean, yeah. like, I mean, I was, you know, there were kids that came to Chicago to be in improv classes cause they wanted to be on SNL. And I always was like, really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Jesus. I'm like a, yeah. I'm a, Slacker, mm-hmm. you know, because you don't were just doing them. it for fun. Yeah, I was just kind of like, this is what I want to do. And I don't know, mm-hmm. maybe something will come of it. And I, some people are getting work in commercials and we'll see. And, but getting that, those, that validation from my peers and being very surprised by it, you yeah. know, was like, it, it makes a big difference. And you feel like, okay, you know, this is a job. Uh, it, And I, someone just told me, I can do this job. I can yes. do it. Yeah. It's valid.
1: It's that validation was so yeah. important. So that, that kind of helped us and and pushed us to want to do it further. Was
3: that the idea when you went to college? Was it, was comedy in your guys' no. minds? And no. Did, no. what did you, it's, did you all manage and or, um, English, major in different things? English.
1: We were English majors, yeah. which really, because we love to write and we were very like, we were had not great, math great English teachers in high school, like yeah. thre- three great English teachers that really got us excited about, literature and old school writing and, and and how to write really well and really to focus on how to communicate Really like well. a, an English paper a good English paper about literature is a lot like a stand up bit. Yeah. You have a thesis, i.e. the premise. You have your support, your backup reasons. And we would always try and make our things funny. Like yeah. We'd always add humor into the essays, no matter if we're talking about death in Venice or whatever we are right, talking right, about. Right. You're like, can we make this? Can we add something funny about it? And so they really helped us out. So we're like, let's go to Michigan. And if we, we decided both to go and we're like, let's try and be English majors. It taught us how to read. Even better, and taught us how to write in a in a more concise way. And then we were doing stand up. We were doing stand up at the university as part of like you know university U Club. And then yeah, the U, the the stand up. John Glazer did stand up at that. She was a Michigan guy a couple years before us. He did. He was in like a the comedy company there. He also did some stand up. and 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 then we and then we started doing. We were seniors. We were doing it like. In Ann Arbor at the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase, which was the local club, and then we started going into Detroit and doing it at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle, and wow. like so I we just were Just doing... remember driving into Detroit. And by the way, Monday. we're not good. Like we're, we're 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 new and bad. Right. I think you guys are fine. Aw. <laughs> I mean, you know, back
3: I love oh, that's oh, where I, I, I love that. Even in his okay. compliment,
1: he yeah, made it yeah, very yeah, mediocre. you guys, you guys you're are fine.
3: Right. Yeah, guys are yeah, right. right. sure, sure. Guys are all right.
1: So no, but back then we were terrible, and I just remember driving in the car, you know, from Ann Arbor, it's cold, we're going into Detroit. All our friends are like, Party, going out, hanging house, hanging <laughs> yeah. We're going to a job. It feels like we're going into the salt mines and we're like, what are we doing? And we're not like excited about what we're about to bring to the stage. We knew we had yeah. some laughs in there and it was fun and we liked and certain elements. And also going into a group of very competitive ups Yes, <laughs> totally. exactly. Like oh, everybody totally.
3: on that stage is
1: like, fuck you kids. Right, get out of here, yeah. you two. And yeah. they were not happy about it. And so, yeah, it was, it was a weird environment to like want to be in, but again, if you go through that and you, you love still it, want to be there, yeah, yeah, that says something about what you're doing. After college, you graduate. We were like, you so, go back to St. Louis. No, so when in college, we brought Andy Kindler, who I'm sure you know. Oh, and wow, love Andy Kindler, and it was interesting. There's you, a you
3: met him or? no,
1: no. So we went. We quote. were huge fans of Kindler's comedy. Yeah. From, we were like, I mean, you say comedy, you there's air quotes in, plaque. Ah, <laughs> Andy's so funny. Andy's joke. The one joke that like, you know, who, like a comedian does one thing or yeah, someone yeah. An improviser does one thing. And you're like, Oh, you're mine for life. Yeah. Yeah. He had an old bit that he used to do about a crock pot. And he was like, crock pot. That's a great item. If I'm hungry in 18 hours, <laughs> And he leans, <laughs> then he, then he goes and he's like, I need some crackers. Okay. And, and he, he does this and, and he does like, this motion. And then he stops. We've never seen a comedian do this before. He's like, eight years of mime lessons, and I still open the cabinet door into my face. (laughs) <laughs> we're like, we're, that he did on a tv special we're like that's the funniest thing i've ever seen about it. so we the love A-list. him i remember he's one of my he uh, he was on
3: kind of late in letterman's cbs run mm-hmm. it was like towards the he end. used to go regularly yeah yeah and uh and he but it was very it was like towards the end yeah and he comes out and you know <laughs> the audience cheers he said uh he said thank you thank you he said. Uh, <laughs> I recently I, I lost a lot of weight and everyone gives him it <laughs> gives him applause and he goes, I've been very ill. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like the applause for and then it's like, I <laughs> just, I love like, in order to get the audience on your side, make them feel bad, uh, yeah, you know, oh, immediately. He, he was so good at that, and so, yeah.
1: so we found out this is our senior year of college, and we found out that for some reason he was doing a New Year's Eve show in St. Louis downtown we were, at I mean, a new comedy club. This is the early '90s, the comedy boom. There were like way too many comedy clubs in every city. He's there. We lose our shit. And yeah, we're like, we're yeah. going to the show. We grab a friend. We go to the show. We're like this is our New Year's Eve, this is the best New Year's Eve ever. He proceeds to do his act to a room full of St. Louis people who are not Having it, they yeah. they cannot stand this classic kindler classic kindler and like people are leaving and people are angry because this is not what they expected when they went to go to New Year's like yeah they would hate everyone we like and, and someone was talking about to him and he said where's your, your HBO, HBO special <laughs> lady <laughs> oh you don't have one I've got one we were dying so, so it was like weirdest set ever yeah. so Jay and I come up and now that we understand it we've done a couple of New Year's Eve shows just how horrific oh, and those the are worst. the worst they the worse yeah, yeah yeah it's like so, doing somebody's wedding or something it is, There is no good reason to do it Except it, there be better be a lot of zeros At the end yeah, of that yeah. So we go up to him after the show I mean he's like in the, in the hallway out there And we're like oh my god He was god. next to the stage Randy We're like oh my god we are the biggest fans. I mean, there's no way he thought after that set he was gonna get work. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, we're the biggest fans of yours. We love you so much. Would you come and perform at the University of Michigan? We could probably get you a couple grand, which, you know, again, in like ninety-three is like if three dollars okay, Yeah, it's, it's worth three, going to Ann Arbor. Three thousand in nineteen ninety three is worth twenty three thousand today, right? Is that <laughs> the commercial I don't know But anyway, it's like he we were like, We can get you some money and and come. He's like, Oh my god, that'd be great. He gave us his, you know, agent at Omnipop, Tom Ingenio. We yeah call him up and we like set the whole thing up. We're so excited because he's our favorite comic. He comes and we're like, we'll open for you. Just all we ask is you just watch our set and just tell us what you think. That's all we ask. So he, so afterwards we're taking him to the like pancakes afterwards. Yeah, we're yeah. hanging out with him. And we're on our way to law school. We had, yeah. Jay and I just got into law schools. I got into, and this, we were, got into different law schools. So I got into uh, George Washington. Jay got into Emory in Atlanta. We're wow. like, this is where we're going. We're going yeah. to law school and we're going in different cities and this is where we part. And this is after doing stand up, you know, all that stand up. And we said, Andy, just, you know, shoot it straight. What do you think? And he's like, first of all, you guys are so funny. And mostly when we're hanging out, you're funny you're going to have to lose all the material you're doing right now, because it's just not ready to be amongst the material of the other people that are out there doing mm. it. But I believe that if you guys went to New York, I'm in LA, if you go to New York, there's a great scene in New York. I'm in LA. There's a great scene in LA. If you go to either of the coasts and you're hanging around really smart, funny people, you guys will ultimately find your way and write Figure great it material. Out. And because you've got it and you've got it. And we're like, that's all we need to hear. We go back home that night. We call our parents. We're like, we're not going to law school. Andy oh, wow. Kindler said, we don't have to go to law school. No, like, who <laughs> the <laughs> hell is that?
3: F is that. So like, boy, what a, a nobody better to, to set your life worse. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Andy uh,
1: we told Andy that story later in life and he's like, and I haven't seen a dime yet. I thought there'd be a monetary compensation. So Yeah, we, get but, a, I guess you should get a taste. So we are like, you what look, nothing of nothing is nothing. So we uh so anyway, it was like a very You went to New York, right? So we went to New York and yeah, we're like Andy came shortly after we had moved to New York and he's like, I don't know to how do we touch you. To do Conan. Oh. So he was coming to do a set of Conan. He's like, I'm running my set around town. Why don't you come to, come see the set? And so we went on the Boston Comedy Club in New York mm-hmm. in the village. And, you know, he does his set and we're watching. It's so fun. And he's at the door with the guy who booked it. Was it James? Masavi. Masavi and Steinberg, I think Maybe. was there too. And he said, uh, you know, these guys- They're so funny. Have you seen these guys? They're great. You should book them at the club. He did not have to do that. He did not have to say anything. I mean, and they're like, no, we don't know you guys, obviously, because we've never done anything. And so they're like, come on down on a night. And then all of a sudden we're starting to perform at that club. And he's like, you want to do a set? at my show out at governor's in long Island. Sure. Let's go. So we went out there and he was just so unnecessarily generous with us. And I think as a result of that, we have in turn tried to do that for so many comedians after us. And it really was just an act of generosity that, but he said, if you get to a coast and you really dig in and you get into a scene and you really let the scene push you to do better stuff. Uh, he's like, you'll be on TV in three years. Oh, like wow. by the time we're 25, we're like, really? What? That's all we really needed to hear. And he was right. Wow. I can't believe he was right. So like we worked really hard and we got into the alternative. So took us to rebar, which ultimately mm-hmm. became... Eating it, Luna lounge mm-hmm. down below there. But we saw it in the very beginning when it was like Liz Winstead and Louis CK and Mark yeah. Marin and Jeff Ross and Mark Cohen and I mean it was just like an Janine, Janine, yeah, yeah. John Benjamin and uh Michael Ian Black. Yeah. John Benjamin and Sam Cedar did the funniest thing oh, ever. Yeah, they, they, they 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 yeah. they came up like they were running for like president, president of, of rebar. rebar and like they were giving speeches, like they were trying to run for president, and, like, and disparaging each other. And like, and, and, and we were like, wait, this is comedy. Wait, this can yeah, be, it's almost yeah. like the tunnel got blown wide open and you saw the entire expanse of what comedy could be. Yeah. And we're like, this is how we're funny with our friends. Yep. This is it. We and don't need to get on stage and talk about being twins. We don't fact, need to make that. If you, up, you right. go to the alternative room and we start talking about, well, I'm this and he's that no one's going to laugh. right? You have to surprise people. So this is what Andy was talking about. Like get to a place where it pushes you to write the stuff that makes you, and is the reason why you're funny when we're hanging out. And we did. And then in three years, we got our show on MTV, Apartment 2F, which was like, you know, sitcom with, you know, stand up and short films and and, and, and sketches in it and the whole thing. And so we were entirely too young to get it and we didn't know what we were doing and we let them develop it in a way that wasn't great. And we vowed if we ever got a chance to do something like this again, we would take more control and do it our way. And we thought as soon as it ended after one season, we're like, yeah, we're never going to get a chance then we got to do cheap seats and that was the chance that yeah. was where we took advantage. Well, how many of years were in between those two? So if so we, 97 is when that ended and then cheap, seats, it was five years to yeah. the next thing to, to the big show cheap seats. But so. we had done a few things in between. We'd moved out to LA, mm-hmm. moved out to LA in 99. And so we were in New York for like five and a half years and done a, did a bunch of stuff there and then move. And we're like, we got to move out to LA. If we're going to do this, we really yeah. have to go out there. And we were developing a show out here that never went for like NBC, mm-hmm. but, it was taking us out for a week every month. And we would like go and perform at the improv and then go to Largo on a Monday night and like get up and perform there every month. And we were like, Oh my God, there's a great comedy scene out here. Like the comedy scene there, just a little bit different with a more of an LA sort of vibe to it. And we're like, we could do it out here if we, if we really wanted to come and this is where more of the work is. And so we moved out in the summer of 99 and then three years later in 2002, we got uh, cheap seats, which was shot in New York. So we flew back <laughs> to New York to do that Oopsie. show. Yes. That every day? month, That's every a- month for a Yeah, week. yeah. But then it put us in that. Comedy scene back in New York, because we'd shoot the show all day, and then we'd go to do invite them up that yeah, show yeah. in New York. And where we met Nick Kroll and we met, you know, Reggie Watts and Nick Kroll and and uh Eugene Merman and all the and Bobby, you know, we knew John Bobby Daly Charlie. Yes, yeah, John Daly yeah, yeah. and then Mulaney and Pete Holmes and yeah. all those guys, that scene and Kristen Shaw, all those people yeah. were sort of rising up in that moment. And we were kind of weirdly part of that scene. Yeah. Once a month, we would That's go awesome. do that show. And, and we, we would use all them on the show. Like we used Kristen Shaw on her first TV appearance. She did a thing on Cheap Seats. And yeah. Nick Kroll did a really funny thing on Cheap Seats. And like all He's these played, like, there was a quarterback for Michigan named Elvis Gerback. And I Kroll him, yeah. played an Elvis, Elvis Gerbeck impersonator. <laughs> <laughs> so who, who looks a lot like him when he has the, the helmet, helmet on, <laughs> but he forgot the helmet. So he's like just making excuses about it. I know, him. I know I Normally like him. when I have the helmet <laughs> on, it's so much better. <laughs> so funny. So good. Awesome. So dumb.
3: Well, you guys kind of answered the third question. Uh, so we'll finish with the second one, which is what? where are you going? What? What? What are you guys hoping to do with, you know the rest of this slog of a life.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, I'm not going to slog it. That's for me. <laughs> or anyone. God damn sure. Um, I think, I think our goal is to just to be able to continue to create stuff that Because I think when you get in this business, you're like, I'm going to make it. You stand up on Runyon Canyon in LA and you're like, I'm going to get that house. (laughs) I'm going to take this town down and these won't believe you didn't know my name. Like you start coming with that attitude and then it shifts. And like, I think our thing is like, hey, we just want to keep making things that we are proud of, that we love, that bring joy to some people. Yeah. It'll never bring joy to all the people because we know that we don't have, I don't know if we even can do that. if Yeah. We need it. But we're like, let's just keep, stay in the game. We've somehow managed to stay in this business for like 25 years without having a massive success. That's almost as improbable as having a massive success is to still be around, to have not been on a like long running show or anything or whatever. We've just found a way to keep making things. And that's mostly because we don't stop creating things. And so I'm like, if we can do that for another 10 or 15 years, I mean, I also look at people like... George Burns and Bob Mel e. Brooks, Mel Brooks, Mel Brooks Carl, Reiner, Bob, Carl Reiner, Bob Newhart, Don Rickles, who just turned a hundred, uh, just turned a hundred. Norman Lear. Norman Lear just yeah, turned a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, comedy kind of keeps you young yes. in, in a way, because if, if you keep creating comedy, like that's when I'm like, there are certain times when I'm like, we made the wrong choice of business because we're 50 years old and we don't know what next year is going to be. Yeah. We don't know what our job's going to be. Right. Right. We have to tell these kids like, Hey, let's cool it with this, that, you know, like there are yeah, times yeah, when yeah. you do that and it's stressful. But the flip side is we are in this thing that we could do for the rest of our lives and keep writing comedy. I hope we make up, I hope we perform until we're dead. I mean, that would be phenomenal. So we're lucky like that. Yeah. And you got to, and
3: you got to stay in touch with what's happening now too, because comedy is the most, it has the shortest shelf life, you know? uh, Yes. Like there's things, I mean, I even, you know, I look at some old Conan bits you know, I'll see. And I'll just be like, Oh my God, this is taking forever. Yeah. You know, I would never make that joke now, you know? And, and I think it's only the people that get stuck in their ways that sort of, it becomes stale. And, and, you know, and like people like, you know, Carl Reiner, we, we did this bit on the show. It was just like one of our, one of those bits that the, What's so hilarious about it is just how long and how indulgent uh, it is. And it was phenomenal. called Nut Spoon. And it, if, look it up if you yeah, people <laughs> will. out there. I will, for sure. Um, but it's just that the, the guys behind, backstage are unhappy with the spoon that they pick up nuts with and it just, and then it ends into like this big, like a song or something. It just goes on and on and on about nuts spoon. There's an award for nuts spoon. It's great. It's and Carl Reiner came on a few days after nuts spoon. And the first thing he says is nuts spoon. I love it. But Mel and I saw nuts spoon and we just, and it's like, of that's course she did. so fantastic. Yes. And so, and to me was so, cause you know, I'm, I look at the old people in my life; they're not that interested no. in keeping in touch. And so to see those they're guys, they're engaged, still like thinking what young people think is funny and going, "I I know what that is, and I appreciate what that is." Yes. Awesome. It's
1: so great. It's so awesome. great. So I I agree with that too. And I just to me, I just want to live those experiences on stage. She and I just presented at the creative arts Emmys this past week. Yeah. Yeah. And like it goes back to the thing I was talking about in terms of you got to want it. You got to love yeah. doing it. and You got to want it. So we're down in Mission Viejo with our cousins and with our families, like for the weekend. It's it's Labor Day weekend. We're yeah, there without yeah, being yeah. not supposed to work. That's to work. On Sunday, who has a award show on a Sunday? We got to drive back up to LA. My air conditioning in my house broke. My dog sitter is gone. And I've got an English bulldog and a French bulldog that can barely breathe when oh, there's air conditioning oh boy. in a 100 degree heat. And they're in the basement. And I'm like, OK, I pull out my tuxedo that I wore last year and moths have eaten the corners of it off. Like moths have eaten it. I get out. I'm drenched in sweat. We get to the car service and I forgot my belt. But whatever. Screw it. We're going. We get to the place. We're like, OK, we'll, we'll see where we're supposed to do. Let us. Rehearse, to let us rehearse and we'll know what we got. Do. We get in there and the show has already started. We are now sitting at a table and we're like, where are we going? We don't know where what stage are we presenting at? How many awards are we doing? We have no idea. In between each package, Jay and I are like going over our bits, going over the 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 jokes and the ideas and whatnot. And we love kind of what we're doing. We get to the point where like, we got it. They pull us, we go to the VIP room, we go to the area where you're speaking into a microphone and there's the teleprompter. And we're going through the jokes and we're like, well, where's this, our, our free solo joke? We did a joke about free solo. The yeah. B- we were supposed to come out and say, like, uh, Jay said, you can do it. You were going to say. What's the best thing you saw on TV last best year? best thing I saw on TV last year? Free Solo. And I'm like, the movie that came out years ago? Yeah. I saw it on TV last year. Whatever. It's an amazing movie about a man trying to climb out of a relationship. So <laughs> so I said. And I say, that's what you thought that movie was Yeah. What did you think of I that? thought it was a movie about a woman trying to summit to the top of a man's priorities list. Same, Same joke. Same joke. It just came yeah, around yeah, and yeah, told yeah, it yeah. from the North Face. But we're not here to talk about whether or not this professional climber disrespected his girlfriend. He did. (laughs) we're here to give out the award. So we developed that whole thing. We get there and we're like, where is it in the prompter? And they come up to us and they're like, the Academy won't let you do it because that, that movie won an Emmy and we can't crap all over that thing. So you got to come up with a new thing. So here we are five minutes before we're supposed to get on stage. Moths have eaten my thing. Nice I don't if they that. let you know that. Oh my so God. So I don't have a belt fuckers. on. No, he he went and asked the TV, the head of the television academy again, present. can they do this joke? Please. He begged. I got to give that guy credit. And the guy's like, no. So we got to come up with a new one. So we come up with a new thing and we and we do this new thing and we insert another little part The new of bit it. is that we came out and we're like, guys, this is so crazy. We just found out from the producers. And this is like an hour and 40 minutes or two Two hours into the show, we're like... Show's Apparently running. the show's really short, short tonight. It's it's the first time this has ever happened on one of these show. shows. So they want us to go really long. There's literally a guy making the stretching <laughs> thing. Like, I guess we got to go long. And so we just start going into our bid and then we get into a whole, th- whatever. We get into the whole bid. Our whole bid was for main title design. And so yeah. the bit was that they're, that we got mad at everybody because they hit the skip intro button every time. And, and that's and just it. slapping the face of all these people right, who work so right, hard on right. this thing. So we get into it and we do the whole bid and it's great. And then Severance wins. Severance wins and for the main title not unbelievable main title sequence. They right? come yeah. up and the guy's wearing like slides and no shoes and socks. And I'm like, we're we, standing like a foot away and we have to give an award afterwards. And I'm like, we got to make a joke about, about this guy. guy. He's In like his shower shoes. Right. And we, and I was like, no, 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 I got the joke. So have you seen Severance? Have you watched it? Uh, I have not yet seen it yet. Yeah. Unbelievable movie. All right. You're great. Yeah, you're great the show. There, yeah. you know. yeah. So it's a whole show about how, you know, so do you they know, separate work life right. and home? life. Yeah. so through an operation and a thing. So we get up to the mic and I'm like, the the clap for them. And I'm like, the saddest thing about that is that the severed versions of themselves will never know that they won those awards.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Good job. Great job.
1: And it was, it was so fun. So all the angst of leaving our families and driving up from Mission Viejo and sweating in a hundred degree heat and dogs that you don't know if they're alive by the time you get home, Moss eating your thing. I don't have a belt. We don't know where we're going. We don't understand. We get on stage and we make that joke. And we we deliver our thing and they get cut the first joke. And we get to the second joke. We make it. It's great. We deliver the seventh joke. It's great. We do another little thing. It's great. We walk off stage like we own the place. Yeah. And I'm like, that's why we're in this business. Yeah. That's what we're doing. And I want a million more of those moments from, yeah. me, from now until the end of our lives. I'm like, that's what I want to do. That's where I'm going to do more of that. And I feel like right now we're in a moment where we can do that and we're just going to keep going. That's great.
3: That's great. Well, thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Uh, Jason, Randy, thank you so much. Um, Thanks, Andy. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, I'll be back next week with more Three Questions. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco production. It is produced by Sean Doherty and engineered by Rob Schulte. Additional engineering support by Eduardo Perez and Joanna Samuel. Executive produced by Joanna Solitaroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Maddie Ogden. Research by Alyssa Grawl. Don't forget to rate and review and subscribe to the Three Questions with Andy Richter wherever you get your podcasts. Can't you tell my
0: loves are growing? Can't you feel it in the oh, you must be annoying. I've got a big, big
2: love. This has been. A Team Coco production in association with Earwolf.